Hello and welcome to Bookworms. My name is Bex. I love books and I'm very glad you're here. I've got some rather marvellous books to tell you all about this week. We'll be chatting all about the big dreaming with Michael Rosen. Yes, actual Michael Rosen. He's left us a little voice note. We'll also be finding out about Robert Tregoning's brand new picture book, The Dress in the Window. And first up, we have got a rather magical adventure from Natasha Hastings. Now, this is The Miraculous Sweetmakers, The Frost Fair. Let's find out a little bit more. I am joined right now by Natasha Hastings, author of a brand new book called The Miraculous Sweetmakers. Hey, Natasha, how are you doing? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Your book is a beaut of a book, um, and I, I, I very rarely read books that are set in the 1600s. Um, so tell us a little bit about it. Sure. Um, so during the Great Frost of 1683, two girls sell sweets on the frozen River Thames in London and find themselves drawn into the mysterious world of a magical conjurer. And I should say the book is illustrated by Alex T. Smith as well. So you get even more magical pictures there too. Oh yeah, the illustrations, we can't forget those because they are beauts. And they, I mean, obviously your writing is incredible and you can really feel the story from the writing, but the, the pictures do add a little extra, don't they? Oh, they're absolutely wonderful. He's done such an amazing job and it's been an absolute delight working with him. So um, in the book, we meet Thomasina. At the beginning of the book, uh, something happens where you I guess yeah yeah something happens so she a tragic event happens in her family I think it's also important to say at the stage that I myself have asthma and Thomasina has asthma too and so does a family member she witnesses something happening and years later she meets this mysterious figure at night who is magical and promises her he can bring one of her family members back from the dead if she goes with him to this magical other frost fair which is a enchanted frost fair that appears only at night filled with dazzling delights and magical escapades and frost beasts and frost folk so um and then she realizes that maybe all is not what it seems it's really hard to talk about it and not give too much away so i'm going to try and make this as like vague but general but also kind of to the point as possible so in the real world where thomasina is living there is also a frost fair happening on the river in London, which it was that a thing back in the time? Absolutely. So this period is really interesting, actually, because I would say during maybe, I would say maybe the 1300s to maybe 1700, 1750, there was a period that was called the Little Ice Age, which was a period where it was a lot colder than it was today. And the River Thames in London froze over completely multiple times, meaning that people could walk across its surface. And there were multiple frost fairs, actually, that were held on the frozen River Thames. And in my book, I concentrate on the Great Frost, which is when it was incredibly more frosty than ever, really. And there were circuses, there were tents sweets and there were all sorts of entertainment like fire eaters the king visited it was really a spectacular event and so I've based this book partly on real life historical events that definitely happened during that time I love it so much. And yes, like we say, uh, she meets a mysterious character who uh, takes her to another frost fair, a kind of um, a nighttime version, so to speak. Absolutely. It's sort of the dark mirror to the frost fair that happens. And in this other frost fair, you know, it's it's sort of ruled over by this shadowy, mysterious figure that you find out about called Father Winter. And there are there's a sort of new magical spectacle that happens every night when Thomasina, one of the main characters, um, goes to visit. So, you know, there could be a, a magical enchanted theatre one night or the could be um, a magical dance that people have to do and yeah so there's all sorts of entertainments but a secret at the very heart of it that she needs to find out I did enjoy it when she got to see some um, Twelfth Night being performed. I quite like the idea of going back in, in time to kind of be around the same era as Shakespeare almost, or kind of, well, yeah. a little bit, you know. Yeah. yeah, no, but absolutely. And I think what's really cool is, you know, I love going to the Globe Theatre in London and it's definitely based on the Globe Theatre. And I feel like, you know, 
we're so lucky in the UK to be um, among so many historical buildings and so um, and you know and, and to have so much living history around us so I really wanted to lean into that and sort of help you know teach people about sort of how the past might have looked through the means of a story. I mean, your writing is beautiful and the way you describe the Frost Fair and London and also even the food and the sweets. You made me peckish. You made me really want some sweets. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I try my best. I mean, there are some there are some really gruesome recipes from the period. So I came across snail water, which was basically a 17th century smoothie and that did not make the cut in terms of recipes. But I'm delighted to say that I did try and make sort of a 17th century version of gingerbread and sort of really nice spiced cakes and that kind of thing. And, you know, a bit of bubbling hot chocolate as well. So hopefully there are some appetising sweets there. Oh, there absolutely is. And of course, we have to say as well, Thomasina and her friend, and they form quite a fast friendship because Anne comes from um, a background of working in an apothecary, which is very hard to say. Absolutely. And um, I think I just love the kind of girl power running throughout the book that I've really tried to create, which is, you know, these two girls, one of whom is really good at medicine, one of whom is really good at sweet making, and they join forces and they decide to create medicinal sweets, so appetising sweets that are tasty and that customers flock to when they sell them on the frozen River Thames. And I can't give away too much, but the series is called The Miraculous Sweet Makers, so <laughs> you can imagine there are more sweets to be made in the future too. I, so I'm guessing there are more books and more sweets in the offing? Oh, absolutely. So this the first book is called The Frost Fair. I can't reveal the name of the second book yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to. But I will say that there are many more sweets in book two. So, yeah. <laughs> I like that you held yourself back there. I, I you know, I just thought I was going to get exclusive, but I appreciate it. I appreciate that. It's, it's such a wonderful book. I really love the fact it's kind of like you've got the real life story of, you You know, you've got family and you've got friends and you've got grief. And then this kind of fantastical world as well with monsters and father, winter. Like, what was it like to combine the two? Was it tricky or did you enjoy getting both best of both worlds? Well, I think I've always thought that the Frost Fairs of London would make just the most enchanting story to set something in. So I think I was really lucky and spoiled, to be honest, because I had a fantastical base to set everything on. And I think ice itself in winter and the idea of the River Thames freezing over, that in itself to me is really inherently very magical. I mean, I did try and imagine as much as I could, but I think I had a really easy and good base to leapfrog off, really. I mean, you know, looking at the frozen River Thames, it you know, it wasn't too long until I thought of frozen frost beasts with, you know, frosted over eyes who guard the surface and are pretty vicious, but they're nice and cuddly to you if you if you're allowed in. And I was just really lucky because I feel like the world itself was already very enchanting. You've really made a quite an exciting brand new world. I really did love the book. Now, we, we do a thing on Fun Kids with all authors that I haven't interviewed before. A little quick fire round of questions, if that's okay to do with you right now. Oh, absolutely. All right, then let's do it. Books or Kindles? Books. <laughs> you said that as if like it's the most obvious thing in the world you know I do like a Kindle for walking around I used to walk around with like five books in my backpack and that was not good for my back so I do appreciate a Kindle but there's nothing like a book in your hands and the smell of a book and the pages so yeah it's the smell it's definitely the smell you're right heroes or villains villains <laughs> I love an anti-hero I love a villain I love heroes who believe that they're the villains I love people who think that they're the villains in other people's stories I love the idea of the wronged villain I choose a villain every day excellent okay um film adaptation or tv adaptation <gasps> oh that's so difficult I think I think tv adaptation just because you get sort of um you know like four one-hour episodes instead of a two-hour film mm -hmm, then I think that's mm -hmm. great although saying that there are so many film adaptations I like so this feels very unfair I think it depends on the book it depends on the book I think I think largely TV adaptation but it depends on the book I will say <laughs> yeah I'll say this again 
So I love this book so much. Thank you so much to Natasha for telling us all about it. I have to say, I think it's the perfect book to welcome the Christmas season in, which is why I have given it the title of the Fun Kids Book of the Month for November. Yes, you heard me. Fun Kids Book of the Month November is The Miraculous Sweetmakers. Uh, next up, a book that did come in a close second, I'm not going to lie to you, because it is rather magical, wonderful, and just really exciting to read. This is The Dress in the Window by Robert Tregoning. I am joined right now by the author, Robert Tregoning, all about his brand new book, The Dress in the Window. Hey, Robert, how are you going? Hello, I'm really good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, because I've read your beautiful brand new book and it is an absolute dream. Oh, thank you so much. So tell us, it's, it's more of a, a kind of picture book, but it's got lots of like poetry and words in it. Tell us about the, what's going on in the book. So yeah, it's The Dress in the Window and it's written by me, Robert Tregonin, and it's illustrated by the most fantastic artist called Pippa Koenig. And it was published by Oxford Children's at the beginning of October. It is such a lovely story about a boy who sees a rather magical dress. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So a boy who's walking with his mum down the high street one day when he spots something sparkling and red glistening in a shop window. And it's love at first sight. Yeah. And and this dress, uh, Pippa does such a good job of making it look really sparkly and magical. And your character goes through all of the ideas of what where the dress could have been before, right? Yes. So the boy starts to imagine who might have worn the dress in the past. And he thinks maybe it could have been a movie star or perhaps a spy could have used it as a brilliant disguise. Or maybe it was worn by a singer in a jazz club. Or maybe a fashion designer um, sent it down a glamorous runway. The possibilities are endless. Oh, I love all the pictures describing all of it as well. And then, of course, well, we've decided we've got to get this. We've got to earn this um, this brilliant dress. So we go into chore overload. Yeah, so mum suggests maybe doing a few odd jobs and saving up some pennies might help the boy save up to come back and buy the dress. So he knocks on all the neighbours' doors and asks them if there's anything he can do to help. Um, and he has a lot of fun along the way too. He does. I've got to say, one of the bits I love most about the book is you've got this little sausage dog who is his pet in every picture, in anything he does, the sausage dog is there too. Oh, it's brilliant. Yeah, Pippa has sort of created this sausage dog sidekick for the boy and um, and she's managed to weave him into the illustrations throughout the book. And yeah, it's really fun to spot him on each page. My favourite bit is on the fashion front row and the dog is there as well, just yeah. watching and looking up. <laughs> yeah, I think there should be more dogs on the front rows of fashion shows, to be honest. I mean, I'd happily be involved if there was. Um, so I don't want to ruin the ending of what happens to the book, but how does it feel for you to work with Pippa? Do you send her the stories and does she say what she thinks drawing should be about? Or do you say, I want a drawing of this thing, please? It's much more sort of the first of the two options and it's very collaborative. And actually it all happens through the publisher. So I... I, the, the publisher has the story from me and then they um, approached Pippa and they sent Pippa the story and I was so pleased and so grateful when she said that she loved it and she wanted to work on it. And then and then I get um, illustrations sent my way from the publisher and just everything that came back, I was just blown away by it. And to be honest, I was moved to tears. I, they're so, so beautiful. And like you said, I don't want to give the ending away, uh, but there's there's a couple of spreads and illustrations at the end of the story, which are just so joyful and so beautiful. Yeah. And I really just love how it's turned out. It is such a beautiful, wonderful book. And it's all about kind of accepting who you are and kind of like, you know, finding your voice as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. For this story, I really wanted to write a story that um, 
was about a boy who was in love with something that was stereotypically considered feminine, but of course is for everyone. Um, and myself and my husband, Billy, we spoke a lot about our childhood memories and of the things that we were excited about as young boys. And I remember visiting a haberdashery and I would love to look at all of the sequins and see the fabric uh, draped around the mannequins. And Billy had this memory of walking to school past a shop window. And in the window, there would always be the most amazing dresses. And it was that image of this little boy with his face pressed to the glass gazing at this glittering gown that really sparked the idea for this story oh man i love it so much and yeah the um pippa does a really good job of illustrating the sequence of this gown in particular as well doesn't she oh absolutely yeah it's, it looks like it's sort of sparkling on the pages and twirling from page to page and the cover has this really gorgeous shiny foil which somehow very cleverly has been used to create the illusion of a sequin dress oh, it's um, so smart. And, yeah I love it's it. Brilliant. <laughs> now, before we let you go, uh, can you do us a little reading of, uh, of the beginning of the book to give us a little, so just to set the tone, shall, shall we say? Absolutely, absolutely. So the story starts with a notice at the second hand shop and it says, any old clothes you don't need anymore, we'll sell them here at the second hand store. One afternoon on the high street in town, a boy with his mum saw a sparkling gown it hung in the window of second-hand thread, all glowing, all flowing, all dazzling and red. It seemed to call out as the boy tried to pass. He stopped and he pressed his small nose to the glass. He gazed at the garment with eyes open wide and noticed his heart disco dancing inside. There, in that moment, the boy made a wish to put on that dress and to swirl and to swish. Oh, wonderful stuff. That's, I mean, that's, how can you not want to read more of the book after that? That was beautifully. Oh, I hope so. <laughs> um, well, thank you so much for telling us all about it, Robert. And uh, The Dress in the Window, like you said, it's out right now. Is that correct? Out right now, yeah. Available in lots of bookshops, including lots of lovely um, independent bookshops. I'm actually going to be at Waterstones in Kingston on Thursday, 14th of December from 6pm in the evening. Oh, wow. um, I'm going to be at the Discover Story Centre in Stratford on Sunday, 17th of December at 11.30 in the morning. And I'm also going to be at the Book Nook, a really fantastic bookshop in Hove uh, in Brighton um, on Saturday, the 6th of January. And then after that, lots of school visits and festivals and lots of chances to share the story with people, which I'm really, really looking forward to. Oh, my goodness. You are a, a busy one then. Yeah, busy, busy. Yeah, but that's great. I'm yeah, super excited about it all. Lovely stuff. Well, thank you so much for telling us all about the book. And congratulations. It is an absolute beaut. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love that picture book very, very much. If you've got younger brothers and sisters, I think they will love it too. Uh, now, finally, we've got something rather exciting this week. Actual Michael Rosen is the bookseller's children's indie book of the month for November. He's got a big new book out called The Big Dreaming, and he's here to give us a reading for the story. Uh, it's all about the hibernation of bears, which is perfect for this time of year when bears are preparing for their big sleep. The Big Dreaming by me, Michael Rosen, illustrated by Daniel Egnaeus. Big Bear looked up at the sky and sniffed. The cold was coming and it was time to get ready for the sleep. For bears sleep all winter long and wake up in the spring. Little bear mm, was worried. Will I dream during the sleep, big bear? Oh yes, said big bear. You'll dream and dream and dream. 
Is it, said Little Bear, a big dreaming? Yes, Little Bear, it's a big dreaming. Little Bear was still worried. What if, what if, what if, in the big sleep, I run out of dreams? Then there would be a big nothing, Little Bear thought. I know, he thought, I'll go and look for some dreams. Little Bear wandered through the forest until he met a squirrel. Squirrel, 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 he said. We're getting ready for the big dreaming. We're getting ready for the sleep. Do you have any spare dreams for when we sleep deep, deep? Squirrel said, yes, I had a dream. I dreamed of playing all summer long with my sisters. This is the dream of happiness right now. Thank you, Squirrel, said Little Bear, and on he walked. Little Bear wandered through the forest until he met a rabbit. Rabbit, 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 he said. We're getting ready for the big dreaming. We're getting ready for the sleep. Do you have any spare dreams for when we sleep deep, deep? Rabbit said, yes, I had a dream. I had a dream that I was lost and I didn't know what to do, but then a skylark flew past me and he showed me the path all the way home. This is the dream of coming home safe. Oh, thank you, rabbit, said Little Bear, and on he walked. Little Bear wandered through the forest until he met a wolf. Wolf, 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 he said. We're getting ready for the big dreaming. We're getting ready for the sleep. Do you have any spare dreams? for when we sleep deep, deep. Wolf said, yes, I had a dream. It was night and I was very young. I was just a little wolf looking up at the shining moon. And as I looked, the light in the moon went out like a candle blows out in the wind. The night was darker than it had ever been. And I was scared. But the next night, the moon came back into the sky, clear and bright and true. Now I know that if the moon disappears, it will always come back. This is the dream of always having hope. Thank you, Wolf, said Little Bear. As Little Bear turned towards home, snow began to fall from the sky, heavy and white. The cold had come. Oh no, thought Little Bear. What if he didn't get home in time for the big dreaming? On and on he struggled, shivering and lost and scared. But then he remembered the dreams he had gathered. A squirrel's dream warmed him with happiness. Rabbit's dream reminded him of the safe path home. And Wolf's dream told him to have hope always. At last, he saw Big Bear's shape through the snow and he rushed towards it. You're back, said Big Bear. I was so worried. Yes, said Little Bear, smiling. And I've brought back some dreams so that we don't run out in the middle of the sleep. That's good, said Big Bear, licking Little Bear's ear. That's very, very good. Big dreaming, 
little bear, said Big Bear. Big dreaming, Big Bear, said Little Bear, curling up next to him. And so they slept. And they dreamed and dreamed and dreamed all the way to spring. All right, that's pretty much it from me today and from Bookworms. Big thank you to Michael Rosen, to Robert Tregoning and to Natasha Hasting. We'll be back with some excellent and brilliant and exciting and magical adventures in the next episode of Bookworms. In the meantime, remember to like, subscribe and follow wherever it is you get your pods from. See ya!